0: From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter.
1: Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have you here today. We have my good friend, Mark Sanborn on the show. Another one of my mentors, we have had several of my sort of personal life mentors uh, and business partners over the last uh, several episodes, which is really fun. And Mark has a new book coming out. He's one of the the true uh, leading thinkers in the area of leadership. And he's talking about uh, the potential principle. How do the best get better? Like, how do you how do you better your best? How do you continue growing, continue improving? And what's a systematic strategy that, if you're a leader, how do you implement and incorporate this into your culture so that you are always your organization is always growing and living and improving? And uh, he's going to introduce to you this thing called the uh, potential matrix, which is is really really uh, powerful and it's a really a really cool concept. Um, and we're going to talk through the four parts of that. And I think you'll love it. And then at the end of the show, I'm not only going to debrief what I've learned, but I'm going to share with you sort of um, the two biggest things that have to happen before you to make a life change before you can ever make a life change there's these two big things that have to happen which is you know connected to the conversation about reaching your potential and a couple insights from mark that really helped me sort of close the loop and and tie the knot here on what creates life change because that's what this is about right is about getting better about reaching your potential about inspiring other people to hit their potential. So that's what we're talking about today, the potential principle, the potential principle and how to better your best. We'll get started just after this message.
0: This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern Coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst.
1: So you've heard me before talk about some of my my fathers in the speaking business, if you will. Eric Chester and David Avrin and Mark Sanborn. These were these were the guys that I studied under. I mean, I was I was mentored uh, by Zig. I've shared that story that I got to travel with him a couple times. But Mark Sanborn and Eric and Dave, these were the guys that I talked to. I lived in Denver, and Mark is a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, the Fred Factor, and you don't need a title to be a leader. Those are two of, of uh, his really, really big, popular books, and just been a good friend for years. He's in the hall the the, the National Speaking Association Hall of Fame. Won the Cavett Award, the highest honor that NSA gives and has just been one of the the leading, uh, the thought leaders of leadership for several, several years. And I'm excited to have him on as a colleague today because he has another new book coming out. Uh, It's called The Potential Principle, A Proven System for Closing the Gap Between How Good You Are and How Good You Could Be. Mark, my friend, it's been too long. Welcome to the show.
2: Well, thanks for the kind words. It's been very gratifying uh, to know I've had a. A small, positive impact on your career because I've been uh, proud at a distance to see all the great things you've accomplished from uh, your early days selling books door-to-door to to now running a huge company and uh, making a big difference in a lot of audiences and lives around the, the U.S. and abroad. So it's great to be with you.
1: Well, thanks, friend. I guess you could say that you've helped. You've helped me to uh, reach some of my potential, and i I thought it was interesting. You know, when I, as soon as I saw the title of the new book, uh, uh, you know, so why potential? Like, because that, that I think it's such a powerful just concept. the The concept of potential, and when I I think of everything, you know, nowadays I do. I I process everything not as an author or speaker, but as a as a as a A business owner and a leader going, how do we get the most out of our people? And as soon as I saw this, I was like, gosh, that's such a great title because that's what we need. So why this book? Why now? Why Potential Principle?
2: Let me explain what the Potential Principle is. The premise is really simple. We all know how good we've become, but none of us know how good we could be. We really don't know what our potential is. I've never met anyone who could say with 100% certainty, you know, this is as high as I can operate. This is as good as I can be. This is the best I'll ever become. And if you think about it differently, and most people don't consciously think this way, but if today somebody said, uh, you know, today's the zenith. It's the the high water mark of your life. For the rest of your life. It's all downhill from here. (laughs) You wouldn't say, "Hey, that's great. You know, you would say, are you serious? I'll never have better relationships. I'll never make more money. I'll never experience more joy. So we all at some unconscious level are probably trying to improve. But very few people have a plan or a method for getting better. And, you know, the audiences you and I speak to are what I call a self-selecting filter. Uh, The people who most need to hear the sermon often don't go to church. You know, the people who most need to read the book often don't go to the library. And what I realized is that my clients, like yours, are already among the best at what they do. You know, they're the, uh, the individuals and the companies that are, are rock stars in their respective market spaces. So I realized I have a, a bigger challenge than if I was working with startups or if I was working with mediocre companies, because most of these clients are already among the best, depending on how you measure it. Market share, return on investment, EBITDA, all of those metrics, they're already among the best. And so I realized there's only one thing harder than becoming the best at what you do. And that is becoming the best at what you do and continuing to get better. In other words, when you're number five, you can go to number four by outperforming or, uh, or out implementing number four strategies, right? When you're number two, you just watch what number one's doing and you can match their performance or maybe surpass it. But when you're the top of your game, there's nobody out there in front of you. You know, you're making it up. You're you're literally plowing new ground. And so I wrote a book for individuals and companies that said, uh, you know, I want to get better, regardless of how good I've become. You don't need to be the best at what you do to get benefit from the book. But the good news is if you're already a high performer, you're going to get some insights that will help make it a little bit easier to keep getting better.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I love that. When I think about our team at Southwestern Consulting, um, I don't necessarily would go out and say that we're the best. But I think we're, we, we've we we built this space of one-on-one sales coaching, which has really become our our entire space. And there's not that many other people out there doing one-on-one sales coaching. Most of them are sort of like... There, there's more sort of like us, uh, more of a mom and pop shop, or it's you know one guy or one gal who started their own business. The more like they're building a personal brand and they do some coaching. There's, there's not that many true coaching companies, specifically sales coaching. And so I, you know, this captures my attention because I feel like a lot of times we're we're trying to go, how do we reinvent ourselves? And there's not anything to compare it. To, not necessarily because we're the best, but because we're kind of in, I think, a unique, a unique space. So, so how do you go about doing that? And and either either you're in more of like a blue ocean type of thing, or you are, let's say, you are number one. What are what are some of the what are some of the hints for how do you keep pushing yourself? Because complacency is a real big issue.
2: Indeed, and I always say that there's only one thing that can keep you from getting better, and that is a lack of desire to do so. Uh, I can't make anyone get better. Uh, I know you you have a new son, uh, a new arrival. Congratulations. I've got two boys that are a little older. And, uh, you know, when people say, how do, you, how do you motivate people? I say, you know, don't ask me. I can't get my kids to take out the garbage. Uh, <laughs> it's about creating an environment where, you know, if you're a leader, where people choose to be motivated. Uh, I, I, I got to do a quick uh, detour here, and then I'll come back to the four areas and the four principles in the book. But. Uh, It's always gratifying and I know you get this sometimes you get an email or or someone will come up to you after an event and say your book or your speech changed my life and and I'm always quick to say thank you but no I didn't and the book didn't either you changed your life. Uh, I'm not God I I can't uh, take responsibility for positive life change in others I'm often gratified that what I said or did or wrote about influenced them but ultimately we change our lives. Ultimately, people have to take responsibility for getting better. So no matter how much I may want you to get better, if you don't have a desire to get better, you won't. If you do have a desire, what I talk about in the book is is I try to make things as simple as possible without making them simplistic. And the first part of the book talks about what I call the potential matrix.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about, uh, about this. So you have the matrix and then these sort of like four key areas of growth and then these four different tools for improvement. So, do you want to, so give us, give us the matrix, give us the overview of the matrix.
2: The matrix is very easy to understand. I, when I work with leaders in the secular business world, I see that they, in the outer world of performance and doing, they usually excel. But if there's a sticking point, it's in the inner world of why do I do what I do? What's my purpose? A lack of clarity, a lack of, of meaning. So I, I, you know, I can make gains by moving them what I call left of the axis into the inner world. Interestingly, when I work with church leaders, these tend to be, and I'm 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 painting with a broad brush uh, here, but they tend to be people with a very deep inner life, you know. Uh you, you really have to have a sense of, of purposefulness and, and meaning to drive your faith and spirituality. So the sure. best way to help help them often is moving them into the outer world of how do you run a good meeting, how do you communicate more effectively, how do you create a team. And so I started thinking about this kind of odd dichotomy and I added one other one other element and that is what I would call initiating or responding uh, We initiate we take action we respond we're acted upon so if you combine those two axes what you end up with is is the outer world of performing and learning in performing you're initiating and learning you're being acted upon by the lessons and ideas of others and in the inner world we have thinking which is where you initiate, The thought process, planning, visioning, strategy, and then what is probably the most interesting and most often overlooked or least used quadrant, the inner world of responding, which I call reflection. You know, reflection is where ideas come to us. Uh, You know, thinking is where we seek ideas. But some of our biggest epiphanies, you, you know, you don't wake up in the morning and say, today I want to have an epiphany about how to improve my marriage. You might read a book for ideas. But the insight will come through this kind of quiet contemplation and gestation. So those are the four areas, and, and here's the. There's two big messages, you know. And
1: so so hold on. So hold on a second. So 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 I'm, I'm, i I want to make sure I'm seeing the visual. So on the y-axis, the y-axis is what at the top.
2: At the top, you've got initiating. At the bottom, you've got respond. responding. On the left and then on the you've got inner world. On the right, you've got outer world. Now, you okay. connect each of those two, and your upper right back, uh, quadrant is is performing. Your lower right quadrant is learning. Your lower left quadrant is reflection. Your upper left quadrant is thinking.
1: Now Got it. So that's the, the combination. So like upper left is, you're saying that that is initiating and inner so that's thinking
2: yes and and uh, stopping and reflecting is where you basically you know let ideas come to you versus going after them now here this is going to be a little tricky on a podcast but this is the very cool thing a client of mine pointed out to me when i did this quadrant i wanted to basically remind people that we all have one of those quadrants we like the most uh, for a lot of business people it's performing For me, and you probably won't be hugely surprised, it's thinking. In other words, what I enjoy most is books and ideas and and creating. Uh, But if I just think, I really am not very successful because I haven't translated that to the outer world. But if I just perform, I'm not necessarily successful because I may achieve great success but have no real reason for doing so. So my point is we need to be better in each of those four areas. To the degree you're a better thinker, learner. Performer and, and, and reflector, to that degree, you will become better in all the areas of your life. The second thing I wanted to impress upon people is that these quadrants don't exist independent of each other. So if you put a dot in the in the thinking, most ideas, most projects begin with thinking. At the beginning of the day, you think about what do I have to do today? Well, to really be good at what you do, you have to learn how to do it. So you, you take that line and you you then go down to the learning quadrant. Do I have the skills I need? How do I develop more skills? Then you apply those skills in the performing quadrant, you move up. And then after you perform, when you think about or debrief or reflect on what you did, you move to the lower left. And after you reflect and get any insights, you go back to thinking. And it looks like, and this is what's cool, an infinity symbol. Now, that infinity oh. symbol, when you superpo impose it over the over the potential matrix, gives you a primary way of always getting better. It's not the only way. Sometimes you you know, you, you perform Whoa, mind blown. Yeah, I know. That was That's so that was good. <laughs> I was working with a group of entrepreneurs in Phoenix uh with a Five Friends Intensive and uh I was explaining the, the matrix and all the different ways you could use it. And uh and one of the guys said, Here, let me show you something. And I was like Whoa. You know, that was uh, an insight that he got from reflecting on it because, you know, he didn't say to himself, I wonder what symbol would would work in that. You know, you, how, you know how people retrofit things. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. People say to me, "So, it, d- does this retrofit the disc? No, it doesn't. Now, might there be some similarities in terms of certain areas? Maybe, but it, you know, we always try to add too much meaning sometimes, and we obfuscate what's most important. So, that infinity symbol is a very powerful way for bettering your best.
1: That is cool. So, you're—it's like you're moving—you're th- moving through and around uh, each of these quadrants. So, it's like you're performing. And then, yeah, then you're, refl- uh, well, I mean, it's all in performing, then reflecting, then you're thinking about what you're going to do next, then you're learning, then you're going to perform it, and then you're going to, uh, that. that is such a cool way to think about it.
2: Was that Larry Wingate who said that? Or- no, 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 it was one of our, one of the attendees, Now, if I could remember oh. who it was, I think it might have been Mark Stoner who's uh, the, the world's most successful chimney sweep company president, uh, but I'm not absolutely sure. Hey, by the way, let me tell you something that's interesting, especially for the, your listeners. I know your listeners are movers and shakers, but there are a lot of sales pros. So selling is a numbers and a skills game. So you take somebody who's making 20 calls a day and you move them down into the learning quadrant where they're better at presenting and closing and analyzing needs. And then you move them back up into performing. Now, they're going to close more of those 20 calls a day they make. And if you double the amount of calls they make and the amount of skill they have, then it becomes very, very powerful. So I always tell people, you know, don't, going through the motions, I, I, go to the, I used to work out in my home gym and I've started going to the gym with my son. And sometimes I have to like bite my lip till it bleeds because I watch people doing exercises that are not only wrong, but are harmful. And they don't ask me, and it's none of my business. You know, it's America. Right. You're free to do stuff stupid. Uh, but I think to my <laughs> they're delusional, and they're probably someday going to go, I don't, I don't, I go to the gym every day, and why am I so sore? Why do I have a pulled muscle, and why am I not improving my health? And that's because you're doing it wrong. Doing you, you haven't learned right. to exercise. So, so that's the potential matrix. And um, by the way, uh, at, at PotentialPrincipal.com, there's a free assessment. If somebody wants to see, you know, where they fall on the matrix, what their preferred mode is and how good they're doing uh, in terms of their, their path to getting better, they can go there.
1: Yeah, I mean this is like literally your preferred MO, like your preferred modus operandi. This is sort of like the way almost that you would operate through life. Like are you performing, learning, reflecting, or thinking? Is that is that a right way to think about it?
2: Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a preferential thing, but but keep in mind a strength overused becomes a liability. Sure. You know, and so the, the, the big insight is, is that you've got these four areas where you can get better. Don't, don't just focus on the, the easy, the, the preferable use all four to create synergy for improvement.
1: So, so coming back to this, this issue. Okay. So one of the people, so we coach a lot of ultra performers. Like I've been surprised over the years, um, that when you look at the actual data on the, the clients that we have coached, um, I mean, uh, uh, there's a there's a large number of them who who are kind of like you know in the upper third, but we have a lot of people who make several hundred thousands of dollars a year or millions of dollars a year who get into coaching, and so you know we're always trying to answer that question: How do the best get better? How do the best get better? And I guess is is part of the answer that you're suggesting here is kind of moving moving in that infinity kind of order through the quadrant where it's like okay you you have an idea then you execute on it then you learn something from it then you improve it then you execute on it and like just kind of go, continuing that
2: cycle. Well, that's one big idea, and it, it basically is pointing out to people that. If you only continue to get better in one area, you're leaving a lot on the table. There's there's so much more opportunity to improve your thinking, your learning, your reflection, as well as your performance. But then what I do, and, and it's kind of fun because you can at the end of the book, we actually show people how they can use each of the four tools in each of the four areas. I talk about four things to do. The path to improvement is the potential matrix. The means of improvement are these four techniques if you will. Say
1: that again. Said you said that the path to improvement is the potential the matrix. Potential. So that's like understanding it.
2: It's yeah, exactly. It's like having a a, a, a visual representation, a, a mental model. Then the means of improvement are these four these four primary tools. And there and this isn't exhaustive. I mean, are there are there more? Are there only four? Of course not. I mean, there's a million ways to to get better, but what I focused on are, are four four the most powerful I've learned over the last three decades of, of my own uh, journey as well as the journey of my clients. And the first one is probably my favorite because it's, it's used a little out of context. You know, uh, Clay Christensen talks about disruptive innovation. And, and you hear a lot about the word disrupt or disruptive, and it's usually applied to things and processes and to companies. But in the book, I say the first step to getting better is to disrupt yourself before somebody else does. You know, it, it's a play on the idea that most people change only when they have to. You know, leaders change before they need to. And it's about looking at the areas of your life that have become outdated, that have become stale, uh, that, that could be better. Um, you know, we, we find things that work and because they work, we keep doing them. And we keep doing them until they don't work as well. And so, what do we typically do when they don't work as well? Well, we do we do more of it, right? And it's like a, an engine that's you know got you know sand in the transmission. You know, the more power we apply, the slower you know the more the gears grind and the slower we go. So, the first key is to ask yourself, who or what in my life needs disrupted? Who, meaning if you got you may have somebody on your sales team, you've given them every opportunity to get better. You've invested in them. They haven't. Maybe it's time to disrupt them and let them pursue their bliss somewhere else. Or maybe you've got somebody in your sales team that has frustrated you, but you've never explained why. Maybe it's time to positively disrupt them in the relationship so that it can get better. So the first tool is disrupt yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. That's kind of like, it's almost like the, you know, breakout of complacency kind yeah. of like. Yeah, well, you mentioned pattern.
2: complacency, and, and and but 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 it's more than complacency. Complacency says, you know, where, where am I uh, too comfortable? Uh, disrupting yourself looks for areas that you may not even have considered before. So it's it's not just about disrupting the known. It's about looking for that, you know, that better or, or game changing practice. Then mm-hmm. the next principle is refocus. And this is interesting. If you disrupt yourself, you've got to refocus. I work with clients that say, you know, we, we want to do this and we want to change our culture and we want to improve these processes. And they come up with all these disruptive ideas, but people keep doing what they did before. And then they say, why why aren't they changing? Well, because you never refocused. You know, we're, we're, we're people of habit, right? And if you say you want me to do something different, but the next day I don't know how much time to devote or what to do differently, I'll default to what i am habitually been doing in the past. So I will perpetuate. The pre-disruptive behavior. So refocusing says, and, and this uh, this is something that's taken me. I mean, maybe I'm a slow learner. It's taken me a while to 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 realize. Too many people, even effective leaders, have very clear focus, but they don't refocus as things change. So they're playing by kind of an outdated focus scorecard, if you will.
1: Hmm. Uh, so you're, you're saying like an example of that would just be like as an, as an industry changes or something that you might have to shift and then focus on something else?
2: Well, let me put it this way. No, I'm, I'm talking specifically here about a self-imposed disruption. Certainly external disruptions can, can cause you to refocus. But I, I would use something you're, you and I talked about before the show, and that is uh, Jasper has ch- changed your focus. And you yeah. know that. You know that to be a good dad, certain things need to be done. Uh, Totally. totally. But what, what happens if after a week or two, you go back to doing what you've always done in the business? If you don't refocus and say, okay, to do these things, what needs to be done differently or who needs to do them instead of me or how do I reallocate my time? That's the mismatch. You have been disrupted as we all are by the birth of a child but a lot of people keep doing what they've always done and by the way that's a a great recipe for marital disaster because Mm -hmm. then anybody's spouse says hey knucklehead uh, no, you're not skiing this weekend like you did before we had kids because we've got a six month birthday party with the family. So there's kind of an, an example of how, until you really get clear on how to reallocate and refocus your time and energy, you'll inevitably slip back into those previous patterns. It'll they'll keep the disruption from becoming effective.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good, that's a great analogy, actually. I mean, that connects with me because it's just like, it's like you have to determine the new normal and you have to then, you know, you have to develop a whole new strategy. I mean, everything from how we spend our time to what we spend our money on to which emails we respond to, to which, to which, uh, you know, meetings we take, all of that is shuffling and shifting right now, which is actually like this real, it's, it's a little bit of, you know, it's just, we're trying to like recenter and, um, so that makes a lot of sense. Hey, I know that you said there are four, but we are running out of time. And if you guys want the other two, you're going to have to go buy the potential principle. we well, That, that, was, not,
2: that to- was not a clever marketing tool either. I just want them to know that we didn't. say, <laughs> Let's give them two and make them buy the book for the other two. But uh, but yeah, I, and I do hope. I got to tell you, you, know, I books are like kids. You know, we love all our our kids. Uh, not all, you know, books are also like kids and that not all of our kids uh, behave the same way. But I'm excited about this book because really, uh, for me, it has been kind of a compilation of, of bringing together the last 31 years of my work into how have I, you know, approached life and how have I seen others who I've taught these principles true to approach life and succeed. So it's a distillation. It's a short book. Uh, you know, it's uh, the kind of, I always tell people, it's not an airplane book. You can read most of my books before you push back from the gate uh, if it's yeah. a delayed flight. But I, I really think for the the people who are your audience, your clients, and the people that that, that are, are into bettering their best, this will be a worthwhile uh, investment for them. And I do hope they'll check it out.
1: Yeah, and we'll put a link there to potentialprinciple.com. dot uh, com. There's some the, we're releasing this. Those of you that are listening as this comes out before Mark's launch, and so if you're catching this before September fifth. Uh, he's got all sorts of uh, extra freebies and bonuses uh, that you can check out and and look the bottom line is I mean you're listening to somebody here who has shaped my entire life and when mark when Mark talks, I listen and you can tell just from this short conversation how much reflection and thought has gone into these things and I think for all of us we struggle with bettering our best and what is the what is a proactive strategy for doing that when you're there is nobody else to compete against or you know you're in a world on your own or you are the number one and i think this is this is relevant to that conversation so uh mark my friend uh i appreciate you so much uh, we're we're so excited um about this and uh thank you for making some time here and and we wish you all the best
2: well thanks i love you brother and thanks for having me on the show
1: always so great to reconnect with old friends and mentors and uh, honored and privileged to call Mark a colleague now. And I just, I always learn so much from him. I mean, you can just tell how much he emanates sort of thinking and uh, research and definitely somebody who is, you know, one of the masters of, of reflection. And, you know, he works with a lot of top organizations and churches and nonprofits and things like that. And There's a couple things. I mean, I thought the matrix was really cool and I, and I, I thought the infinity concept was a game changer. So again, you know, if you think of the Y axis, Y axis where he had initiating at the top and responding at the bottom, and then the X axis where the inner world was on the left and in your sort of outer world or external was on the right. And then you have these sort of four big modes of operating of performing, learning, reflecting, or thinking. And, um, I mean, to me, the the, the part was the infinity symbol was just the total game changer because that really helps answer the question: How do the best get better? What do you? How do you continue to grow when you don't have anybody else to benchmark off of? When you don't? When there is no other competition either because you're number one or because you're operating in a unique space? And I think seeing that relationship between going okay so here we are we are we're moving along right and we perform we're operating at some level of of performance and then what happens is is we start thinking, and we have this idea, and we go, okay, let's let's uh, you know let's learn what it would take to have that idea. So you sort of think you have the idea, then you got to learn some new skills to execute that idea, and then you perform, and so you take action on it, and then after you take action, you reflect to see what happened and what was the result of that. And as you kind of do this infinity through that quadrant, you're constantly you're you're in that mode right where you're performing and then you're thinking and and then you're learning and you're and you're I guess you're performing then you're reflecting then you're then you're thinking then you're learning then you're performing then you're reflecting then you're thinking then you're learning and that is such a, that's a, that's an actionable thing to do, which I think in some ways puts some concreteness around. How do you operate in that blue ocean and that world where nobody's around you? Like, you know, maybe you're listening and perhaps you're one of our coaching clients that's in that seven figure range. Right. And you're going, gosh, I'm making a million dollars a year. Like, where do I go from here? And, um, so I thought, I thought that was, that was really, really cool. Um, But the the two things that I wanted to highlight for you, because that's more of a recap, but there were a couple of things as I was reflecting on what Mark shared. Um, One of them really was almost a side conversation about this this one thing, uh, about how do you really change your life? And he was talking about people who come up to him and say, oh my gosh, your book changed my life or your speech changed my life. And when it comes to really changing your life, Uh, whether that means you're not performing to your potential and you need to, you know, you need to start making that climb or you really are at a level of of high performance, but you're really trying to You know what we would call it southwestern redline it uh, to take it to the next level. Then there's 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 these two big ideas for helping you change your life. In addition to this infinity, this you know that infinity concept of moving through uh, the potential matrix that Mark shared. Um, But a couple other things that he said that I really wanted to highlight because I don't think these really they didn't really fit neatly inside the conversation. But he brought them up and they they stuck with me. So the first thing is related to that where he was saying, Oh, you've changed my life. Um, and, and when you think about like the thought, I want to change my life, that's a powerful thought to have. It's a, it's an important thought to have. I mean, that thought causes you to continue to get better and to grow and to move in the direction of what you're called to do and who you're called to be. But regardless of if the change that you're looking to make is to, is to you know, maybe you want to grow your business, maybe you're wanting to start a new business or some new division, maybe you're wanting to improve your physical appearance, make more money, have more time, deepen some relationship, grow spiritually, or any of the other ways that we grow, there is this, there is this first step that must happen. There's this, this one thing that must happen first, and Mark touched on it. And I think this is important because your life, your life change this this potential will never be possible if this step doesn't happen first. And the step is that you have to take responsibility for where you are and where you are going. You have to own it before you can change it. You have to be in charge of it before you can improve it. You have to accept it before you can update it. You are responsible for your life. Your life is your fault. And it's it's great to have books. It's great to listen to speakers, right? We believe in coaching. Coaching makes a huge difference. Like You should be doing all of those things. And you have to simultaneously realize though that none of those things are going to be responsible for your success. Your success is your problem. Your success is your opportunity. Your potential is up to you. Your life is your fault. So we we do all have different starting points and there, there's definitely, there definitely are things that happen to us that are outside of our control, okay, for sure. And we do have different starting points, right? Like if, if you grow up, you know, in a, without a lot of resources, uh, you know, I, I grew up with not a ton of resources, but I still consider myself incredibly blessed and fortunate and lucky to be in the, you know, in the United States, the land of opportunity. And, you know, maybe there's some other country that you live in or some other set of circumstances where for some reason you, you don't have, you know, the, the, you're not starting from the same point, but, but even all of that aside, like the starting points and then the things outside of our control after that, It's your choices that are the cause of your results. Right? Like ultimately, it's not your parents' fault, it's not your school's fault, it's not your government's fault, it's not, it's your choices that ultimately determine where you are in life. Your choices have led you to here. And it's your choices that will determine when you where you end up. And so I, I get that compliment too. And I, I love that. And I know our coaches at Southwestern Consulting get that compliment. Oh my gosh, you've changed my life. And people write it to us in testimonials, which we love. And, and I do think it's like there's something to be said about that role. It's, it's important. But at the end of the day, it's, it's you. And it's you are responsible. And until you own that, until you believe that, until you finally raise your hand and you say, my life is my fault then you can't do anything to change it because if your life isn't your fault, then that means both where you are and where you're going is just a matter of luck and it's just a matter of circumstance and it's a matter of other people's decisions and it's a matter of, of other things working out either in your favor or not in your favor and if, if the results of your life are all a matter of luck and circumstances and other people's decisions and other people's choices, then that means you have no authority to influence your own future and that's not true. Because you do have the authority to influence your own future. You do have the power to write the next part of your story. You do have the opportunity to do things differently and make a change if you own it first. If you accept it. If you take accountability and responsibility for it. If you decide that you're responsible for where you're at so far and for where you'll be next. You can make those choices. You can take those actions. You can change behaviors today that will give you a different life tomorrow. And that is the first step, I think, of, of creating life change. Right? So that's the first thing and you heard Mark sort of talk about that and and I think that's related to this potential principle of growing and improving and moving, you know, through these four different sort of uh, modes of of operating behavior that 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 spur growth and lead to growth, which leads me to number 2. So I think this is the this is the second you know biggest thing that you have to understand and do in order to really change your life. See, people say um, that it comes down to hard work. Like hard work is the key to success. Hard work is not the key to success. Hard work is merely the price of admission for success. Like hard work is—it's not like it's—it's not even special. It's just necessary. It's—it's—it's—it's—it's not a secret. It's like the given. It's—it's—it's the mandatory. It absolutely must be there. And so some people say, well, is it hard work or is it smart work? Well, it's not hard work. It's also not just smart work. You know, if you think about Mark's quadrants, um, you know, one thing at Southwestern Consulting is we believe in in, in, in being the practitioner. We believe in being the performer. Um, but it doesn't mean that we don't believe in smart work, right? It doesn't mean we don't believe in thinking and reflecting and learning. I mean, obviously, we are in the business of teaching and coaching, Um Predominantly through one-on-one coaching is our core business, um, and th- and so obviously we believe in that. So it's not about hard work or smart work; it's about both. It's not about hard work or smart work; it's about both. Hard work is not the secret; it's merely the price of admission. But And being smart, you know, smart work, you know, being smart is great. Strategy is great. Thinking is great. Learning stuff is great. But without action, it's dead. It's nothing. It's useless. I mean, knowledge without application is, is, is worthless. It mean, it, it's, it's like it has no value. It, it never manifests anything meaningful in our life. So when you talk about creating life change, it's about hard work and smart work. And when he was using that example of the the salesperson, right, he was saying, look, if if you don't know what you're doing, and you make 20 sales calls, all right? You're not gonna maybe you may not be that good at sales. Now we know that that sales is a numbers game, and that you'll sell something because there's always people who are buyers. And we know from over 150 years of our history at Southwestern that. It's, it's not the theory of averages, it's the law of averages. And if you ask enough people to buy, somebody eventually will buy it, period. So working the numbers game matters. It matters to talk to more people. It matters to get in front of the most qualified number of prospects in the shortest amount of time possible. It makes a difference. Hard work matters. But it's also smart work. So if you take somebody who's making you know 20 calls a day and you teach you you teach them the principles of servant selling and you teach them the principles of how to ask for the sale without being salesy and you teach them how to ask for referrals and you teach them how to multiply their time and you teach them how to answer objections and bring people to decisions and how to present and then you you have them they're going to make more sales right it doesn't mean that they should do less activity it means they should make more but then the real magic is if they, if they go from 20 calls to 40 calls and they learn. And when that happens, you don't see linear growth. You see exponential growth. You would think, right? Like if you work harder, um, you know, that's going to grow your sales, which it does. And if you are, you know, work smarter, that's Should grow your sales, which it does. And it's like, both of those are sort of linear, but when you put the two of them together, it's, it's exponential growth. And, and that's what self-development is all about. Right. And, and look, Mark is a student of it. Like I know for a fact, the guy is, is one of the biggest readers. I mean, he reads so much. Uh, I read a ton, uh, Dustin reads a ton, you know, w- one of our other co-founders and business partners, we had him on a, a while back. I mean, so many of the world's most successful people. Um, I mean, so many of my different mentors, they read and read and read uh, because smart work matters. It's not a replacement for hard work, um, and and it's not the only thing. It's but it's it is both. And so when you're going to change your life, you have to do both. You have to be willing to work hard. You have to make that commitment. You have to go all in. You, you have to do that. But you also have to sharpen the saw, so to speak. You have to have a new plan. You have to have new ideas, new information. And and I I think Mark's. Uh, matrix here of moving through those. That's a really good s- practical actionable system for where do those new insights can how, how where do they come from, um, and then also just you know the whole learning piece of it is is learn from other people, learn learn from the experts. So if you're going to change your life, you have to own it. You first have to you have to take accountability for it, and the second thing is you have to w- work hard and work smart. And those things have to be there. And and if you do those things, I loved what Mark said when he said, look, the only thing that the the only thing that is ever going to hold you back from getting better is the lack of desire to do so. The only thing that is going to hold you back from getting better is the lack of desire to do so. So take accountability for your life. Your life is your fault. Raise your hand and say, it's up to me. And then take the steps to go out and learn and educate and absorb and gather information and get coaching and, uh, you know, we, we keep listening to the podcast and reading the blogs and tuning in and then work your butt off. And you just keep growing and you keep having that desire, and you're just going to continue to get better and better and better. It only gets better from here, my friends. Better and better. Thanks for tuning in. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log into whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show. And both rate this podcast and leave a comment, as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them.
0: If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst, and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube.